You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Jeff, and uh, I'm joined by some very special guests who we will get to in just a moment, but uh, not special guests mm. uh, in the studio mm, with me. If you say so. <laughs> Offended. I've got uh, Ken, Triggered. Matt, and Neil. How are you gentlemen doing? What's up? Doing a little less good than when you said it wasn't special. I'm sorry. How dare you? Yeah, you didn't give us our participation trophy. <laughs> well, now that I'm in control of the game, Matt always goes and says that uh, every episode is special, so mm-hmm. I, I wanted to offset that. Well, this is a special it episode is, because yeah. it's actually a, uh, a landmark episode because mm-hmm. it's Matt's last episode. In the Sweat Lodge. In the Sweat Lodge, yeah. yeah. Tell us about that, Matt. I am moving to Los Angeles mm. for work-related things. Um, National company, Coffee Company is sending me across the country. Pete's. Yeah. Pete's, Pete's Coffee. <laughs> Pete's Caribou. Or Duncan, I think. Yeah. Yeah, America's like running on Duncan to Los Angeles. So uh, I will be out in... I don't know, Los Angeles, I guess. Nice. And, uh, Your full address will be posted in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, living well, Neil's dream. <laughs> before before everybody starts crying, you will still be a fixture on the show. Mm-hmm. You'll be there as much as you have mm-hmm. been, or maybe even more. I've been promised more. More. There'll be Good. more, Matt, uh, as long as my internet connection's all right out there. Yeah, Skype um, works. Uh, the rent's a little high, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford internet, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> all right. <laughs> maybe so. you just have your landlord on the show. Yeah, I'm yeah, not against that. Well, we've always appreciated your corporeal presence in the in the studio, yeah, but uh, you will be missed. 60% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate it, Matt. Thank you. Hey, thanks. I'm still going to be here, though, so don't worry. <laughs> so it was spe- nice. But speaking of L.A., mm-hmm. somebody, great, take great. The, somebody take the transition. <laughs> I thought Matt was going to do it. Sorry. But speaking of L.A., <laughs> I say... Hey, great segue, Ken. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> Joining us from L.A. is our Aussie friends from Escape This Podcast. How are you guys doing today? Hey, not too badly. And if I were a landlord, I would definitely accept trivia in lieu of payment. <laughs> or I'd be sorely tempted. That's the way it, you, should, uh, you should look at life, I think. Uh, always invite your landlord into all of your personal matters. Uh, so yes, that's what you need. That's the kind of relationship you want with a landlord. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, so, so we're here. Uh, we're in L.A., which is not usual for us because we are from Sydney in Australia. We're just on holiday at the moment. Uh, we're having a lot of fun uh, hanging out with all of the kind of escape room people in LA, doing fun escape room stuff. And now it's time for some trivia, mm-hmm. which is not like an escape room, but it's still fun. <laughs> 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 I 
Well, we're so excited to have I you. I hope that's still how you feel after the game's over, because uh, <laughs> knowing my episodes, they can go one way or the other. So, I am nervous, let's put it that way, because I haven't done America trivia before. Oh, yeah. So. If you're listening at home, we don't know anything that's really obvious. It's all cultural differences. We're real smart. well we're super excited to have you here danny and bill uh we were on escape this Mm -hmm. podcast matt jeff and myself yeah we had a great time and it was amazing i became super jealous when i listened to it (laughs) because it sounded like so much fun Mm -hmm. yeah so uh, you guys don't know this but every time that we talk about you ken says i can't believe i wasn't on that show (laughs) (laughs) and he's been begging us to make an appearance on your program yeah so we'll have to arrange that yeah well no you guys did really well so you were guests back during Descent of the Culloden's near the end of that arc. Yeah, I want to say nine um, in that series. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Should we give it? Should we give for people listening at home who haven't listened to that episode because they they hate podcasts? <laughs> uh, should we give like a rundown of, of what the show is? Yes, yeah. we love that. Yes. Um, are you happy for me to take this, Danny? All good. So so the show is uh, escape rooms that Danny creates as audio only games. So they play sort of like a D and D campaign or sort of like a text based adventure where Danny describes the full room uh, and you say, oh, that's cool, the chest of drawers. I want to check that out. And then Danny describes the chest of drawers and the four-digit combination lock that's on it. And then you find four digits and you unlock it and you solve all the puzzles and get through it. They're very story-heavy compared to some other escape rooms that you can do because it's Danny's a writer and comes up with a good story. But yeah, they're really fun. We have guests on to play through uh, those episodes. And occasionally we do... Uh, like 10 escape room arcs with a connected story, which is what you guys were part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it blows my mind how creative uh, each and every one of your episodes is week after week. So great job, Aww. guys. Yeah, yeah. shout out to uh, Lee DeGeorge uh, for introducing us to you guys. He's, yeah, he's always setting so us much, up. Lee. Yes, thank you, Lee. Um, and just speaking of uh, just a, a quick shout out, uh, one of our newer listeners uh, who just joined the crop, uh, Lauren, she reached out and uh, told us that uh, she's been loving the show. She's been a big fan and has been telling everyone she knows to subscribe and listen. So on that note, thank you for doing that. And if you uh, enjoy the show, please you know tell some other people, review us on iTunes. We'd appreciate it. But we're giving a special shout out to her two kids who always listen to the show with her in the car. And that's Olive and Kelvin, also known as CalPal. So thank you guys for listening to the show. And uh, we hope that our voices are soothing your <laughs> ride from school to school or, you know, to the boxing yeah. ring where you guys are underground kinda, fighting. I think we're big with the kids. Yeah. Like, we hear that a lot. It goes Peppa and then Triviality. Like yeah. in- <laughs> number two. That's yeah. the transition. A strong and, number and two. BTS. Right. It's easy to appeal to kids, though. You just have to be loud and swear a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. you, you need a repetitive catchphrase like cream of the crap. Yeah. Cream of the like crap. That. Speaking of which, <laughs> let's uh, toss it to the rules guy. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. You know that I'm the cream of the crop. How did he do a kid's voice? We're talking about kids, and he (laughs) sounded like a toddler today. We didn't even request that. We didn't. He just knows. Darren's a professional. He knows. He really is. Yeah. So, Jeff, um, you told us that this game is going to be hard today. We have guests from Escape This Podcast where we had to escape their room. Do you think they're going to be able to, or us, for that matter, are going to be able to escape your game today? Uh, I certainly hope so, Neil. I I wrote it a little bit on theme, so um, it dances around Australia for a lot of the game because I know that we we tend to go a little bit more America-centric. That's terrible. 
It's, that's, you can't, that's, it's more a relief if it was around America. Then our failures are covered. <laughs> now our failures are terrible. I was going to say, it's not a, a shoe in that you should be happy about that, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes if everyone's ready to get started. Well, let's uh, get oh, yeah. our team names first. Since you guys are from Australia, you came up with an Australian-related team name. Is that right? Well, yeah. I mean, you've got to talk yourself up. And if you can't come up with a good trivia pun, then you've just got to brag. So we're going to be Oz the Great and Powerful. Mm-hmm. There you go. And uh, we, we, when we heard that, we were like, let's do something Wizard of Oz related too. And I was like, uh, we don't have brains, me and Neil, so let's be the Scarecrows. Yeah, good and, with uh, me. And Matt's just going to be here for yeah. the ride. I'm, uh, I'm scorekeeping because I am the cowardly lion who would not play today. He's already put in his two weeks notice <laughs> and he's, he's just I'm riding coasting it out. now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It turns right. out his two weeks notice did not extend yeah. to here. I'm so. just here so I won't get fined. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Take it away, Jeff. All right. Without further ado, question one. It wouldn't be a, uh, a game of mine without a, a flag question. So the Australian flag features the Union Jack on the upper left-hand side along with six stars. One large star below the Union Jack represents the Commonwealth. The other five stars represent which constellation that is also the title of a 1982 Crosby, Steele's Nash song. Ooh. Cool. Phew. I thought one of the stars <laughs> would be Paul Hogan. <laughs> Do you know the song? So, no. it so it sounds like you're locked in? Oh, yeah. Yes, we uh, are. Oh, boy. So I don't know any Crosby, Stills, Nash songs. Um, I know Crosby had a big mustache. <laughs> um, Very helpful. And the five stars. So one's for the Commonwealth, and then the other five are for a constellation. So do you know any, con like, um, big, no, probably not the Big Dipper. Bruce, uh, major? Yeah. I mean, it's good as anything else. Yeah, I, I mean, that's fine with me. I have no, I, no idea. So. The only stars that I know are the ones in Hollywood where Matt's about to, to, to move to. So. <laughs> All right, we're going to go with Ursa Major. Yeah, it's also a very famous plane in our nation's history. And I don't know which one came first because the constellation is sort of shaped like a plane. Um, it's the Southern Cross. And Southern Cross is correct. Great. Here we go. Uh-oh. <laughs> Question two. Megalomorphs are an infra order of spider with big bodies and stubby legs. A family of these spiders is native to Australia and some are venomous because Australia. Their webs are spun in what distinctive shape, which is where their common name comes from. We're going to oh, lock cool. in. You're going to lock in? Yeah, well, that's, that seems pretty fair for us. What? Is that their shape? It's based on I the mean, shape? Well, yeah, of course it's based on the shape. Okay. So should we give our answer if we're locked in? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming it's a funnel web given it's the only spider I know named after the shape of its web. Uh, oh, interesting. We went a different way and said orb. That's what I was thinking, yeah, the, orb the orb weaving spider. I'm going for the funnel web. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't an orb weaver have big, long, long, long legs? Eh, they're not huge. But funnel webs are definitely stubs. And they make a little funnel out of their web. So you've, you've agreed on funnel? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let, let's say yes. The correct it's a answer. southern cross spider is funnel uh, yeah bold. don't you don't oh, you doubt right. my spider I, uh, <laughs> I will not take credit for that question in fact quite a few of these were uh, written by our friend aaron barclay because um, oh. i said aaron I, that was bull i write australia questions and i'm gonna write them too hard so please can you help me out with a few <laughs> so things? what's the name of that spider funnel webs oh the funnel, oh, web, the funnel web it's a funnel yeah, web okay. spider so they're very very deadly they are they they're, they're common in sydney um, Professionals sometimes. ask you to not kill them, but instead to call them to collect them so that they can use their venom to create anti-venom. Just try to talk them down. Wow. <laughs> they sound like yeah. the, the guy at the gym who doesn't do leg day. Uh, Watching someone, if you've ever watched someone catch a funnel gym. web spider, it's really great because they just sort of poke them with a stick 
And then the spider gets mad and rears up. And as soon as it rears up, you just stick a big glass jar over the top of it. It's very embarrassing for the spider. Yeah. All that buildup peters (laughs) out. (laughs) All right. On to question three. This one is a little bit more American-centric. But while an interesting year in American politics, 1923, was also an interesting year in disgusting food developments, as that was the year the craft product Vegemite (laughs) first hit the shelves. (laughs) What noteworthy accomplishment did President Warren G. Harding achieve in 1923, becoming only the sixth president to do so? Named his penis? Oh. <laughs> I think they all probably have at some point or another. <laughs> the, uh, the Australia part was a little shoehorned in there, my friend. <laughs> what did Warren G. Harding do? I just what heard. I only wrote Australia questions, I think. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Ken and, and Neil would have a rough go of it just heard about warren g harding and his exploits i will let you know that this has now happened eight times oh 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 i think um fart in the senate <laughs> probably appropriate. <laughs> uh yeah that's fair okay we're locked in i have no idea how many times that's happened just that people talk about it when it does all right they're locked in um yeah we don't really know so here's the main thing i know about warren g harding mm-hmm. is that he wrote love letters to his mistress so you said, mm. you said, hmm. did he get married? Did he get divorced? I don't think it's either of those. I put remarry too. So maybe he had an affair while in office. He, like he a was definitely affair? having an affair with this lady that he wrote yeah. the letters to. But I think his marriage was intact is the thing. Okay. During Wait, oh, this was affair. this a guy in a very early episode of Triviality? You said that he was like, they're very dirty letters. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, huh. interesting. That's why I said the thing about his, uh, uh, his penis. His penis. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Millicent, is that what it's called uh, or something? Jerry. Jerry. Okay. Yeah. Let's say remarried. Remarried? Okay. Mm-hmm. Or married. And Oz, the great and powerful? Uh, we've said that he won without With, the like popular vote. Winning votes. the electorate, but mm. not popular vote. That's a thing that's happened Jeez, a couple of times lately. Killing us. So uh, that has happened. I think it's only happened four times. Uh, but oh. the most notable thing that Warren G. Harding did in 1923 was he died in office. Oh. Oh, oh I, I knew he wasn't assassinated. I didn't think of dying, hmm. you know, from natural or less unnatural causes. Yep. So, uh, I forgot people do that. Between natural causes Die. and assassination, <laughs> eight presidents have died in office, mm-hmm. making it statistically the most deadly job in the United States. But how many yeah. of them have died inside while in office? Oh, oh. most of them. 100%. Most of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Except Obama, he came out making Netflix specials. He, he only looks hair is He only looked <laughs> 10 years great. older. Yeah. <laughs> All right, question. That's kind of fine, isn't it? Looking 10 years older after eight years. Yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad. That's With the most reasonable. stressful job in the world. Yeah, so that's a win. Yeah, I'd say so. Question number four. What is the name of the oldest colonial settlement in Western Australia? It was established in March of 1826, much to the surprise of the natives, I'm sure. And the English duke it was named for was a successor of the English duke who gave his name to a U.S. capital city. I'm looking oh, for the name okay, of that settlement and city. Oh, really? Please. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to write it down. So we're gonna, we've are gonna we locked in. <laughs> okay, so they're locked in. What about... An- oh, no, Annapolis. That's not probably... That's not a capital, is it? Annapolis? I mean, Minneapolis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> capital of also, tiny towns. Annapolis is, <laughs> Annapolis is a state capital. <laughs> we'll just say... How about uh, Earl? What? No. Duke yeah. Earl? We're no. going to say Perth. Perth? Okay. Okay. <laughs> After my favorite Bon Iver song. And uh, Oz the Great and Powerful, what, uh, what do you think this settlement is? Well, we, we know a couple of people who came from this teeny tiny place, so fingers crossed. Uh, it's Albany, which was, is like Albany in New York. Yes, the correct answer is Albany. Mm. But it is pronounced Albany here. Yes. Oh. Is it? Yeah, they don't say Albany. Huh. 
birthplace of steamed hams. Indeed. <laughs> but sometimes your steamed ham is all bony. Yeah. Is that a Simpsons reference? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. One I forgot and I could have made. If I wrote the question, it would have had steamed hams. Three. That's all it would be. Which is steamed ham. On to question five. Mm-hmm. Australia is often a sought-after tourist destination for many Americans. A family of fictional Americans from what TV series, which made its Netflix debut in 2017 and is headed by an Emmy-winning director, would ultimately like to end up living in small-town Australia, assuming the best works out for them? I, I first was thinking of, uh, that it was going to be animated because for some reason I thought of the Wild Thornberries. We've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I think they go to Australia at some point. But knowing Jeff um, and just you know his... Uh, Penchant? Is that penchant? 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 Anyway, penchant? <laughs> no, it's just penchant. penchant. Yeah. We've uh, anglicized that by now. All the last letters are silent. The thing that he does a lot. The thing that he does a lot, uh, looking at uh, current events, um, 2017 uh, premiered a show uh, called Ozark uh, with Jason Bateman. He just won the Emmy for directing, and he's the head of the show. He's the star. So I'm just, I have no idea if, the, if they want to go to Australia, but I just know he's an Emmy winning director. That's, that's fine. Okay. So we'll go with Ozark. And ours? We've also locked in Ozark. I don't think they mentioned Australia until the second season, maybe. I can't remember, Spoilers. but it's definitely a, a goal. <laughs> uh, that is correct. Uh, Ozark. On the board. Well done for right. watching that. Yeah. yeah. I only well, got there because of the Emmy-winning director. That's it. Well, after five questions, uh, triviality guys, uh, not, not doing so great Scarecrows. so far. Let's go Scarecrows. Yeah. <laughs> Scarecrows at 10 points and Oz with 40. Oof. So anybody's game. This is a relief. Now we don't need to score any extra points for the whole thing. We're Let's fine. Let's go, Scarecrow. We can just, we can just coast on that. All right. Question six. Australia is the name of a 12-foot racing yacht that in 1977 and 80 challenged <laughs> unsuccessfully for what trophy? The oldest international sporting trophy in the world. Just, just put me out of my misery. Right this now. question comes up. All the has time. been on the show before. It's and at our that. pub trivia. <laughs> I think so, and yeah. so I thought it was fair game. <laughs> Oz, are you locked in? You guys? Oh know? yes, we're locked. Oh yeah, we're, we're it's also done. particularly we're funny in this context. Yeah, that's fair. That's pretty funny. I think it's the American Cup, right? I don't know. I just think I'm just thinking of the movie White Squall with Jeff Bridges. Why? But you're not helping. It's at a boat all. movie. <laughs> uh, okay. And Ken hates boat movies. <laughs> boat movies. I'm just thinking of Final Fantasy VIII, where you play as Squall. Yes, yeah, right. Uh, I, I, I've better. heard that before. The American Cup. I think it's a sailing thing. America Cup, American Cup. Yeah, that. All right. And Oz, what did you say? Oh, well, we said the America's Cup. Give me a break. I'm gonna give you a yeah. break. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, it is, it I is, wasn't, it I wasn't rightly, suggesting that you were so America's hopelessly wrong. Cup, mm-hmm. but we will give it to you. Because it belongs to America, or it's, is it America's s apostrophe? I think apostrophe it's possessive. Yeah. Yeah. Not okay. S apostrophe, apostrophe S. I don't know if it if South America was laying claim no, to we, it as we, well. No, we, you know, America just has it. America. Yeah. <laughs> we saw it, we took it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Question seven. <laughs> Question seven. As of 2019, Daniel Riccardio is the only Australian participant in what international sport whose first event is held every year in Australia? Despite the sport's international appeal, there are currently no American participants. That's, that was my first thought. I think the name is associated with that. You know, it's either that or something that I think is exactly the same as that. Okay. So you're, you're locked in? We're lo- yeah. We are locked in. If he's the first Australian in that sport, I would assume it's a solo sport of some kind. Yeah. Like, maybe not like tennis. Skate- skateboarding, tennis. Um, I assume it's not skateboarding since he said there are no Americans involved. Oh, at, at all. So, 
what's yeah what's i what? mean men's maybe men's tennis but serena williams is american yeah. so that's out um what other golf oh i think yeah there's but I, plenty of americans in yeah solo sports solo sport um that name sounds familiar though do you think it's a uh an ice sport of some sort no no let's say let's say men's tennis men's tennis okay and uh team oz what did you say for this well, one i was pretty sure he was some sort of racing person so i went with formula one daniel ricardio is the only australian formula one driver mm. oh, oh, that yeah. explains That's why i didn't question. know anything about this <laughs> <laughs> well you i thought maybe you'd get there you were on the right track it is um one of the most selective sports as it's very expensive so mm. there's only like you know 20 drivers and uh but uh, yeah, the Australian uh, race is the one that starts this season every year. So gotcha. a, I had no idea. There's a lot of U.S. That's men's it, tennis that, players. T- picking uh, tennis is Sampras, a good choice for the start of the year. They're, uh, oh yeah, because we retired. January is trying Yeah, it's currently. Yeah, the uh, first race of the year is in March, and then they run all the way through. I think Saudi Arabia is the end of the calendar with December. So, question eight. This is a Matt question. And now that he's not playing, I'm sad. Thanks. Uh, which famous Australian who was born in New Zealand has done quite a lot of moving <laughs> over the years? He started his professional career in Europe and has spent time playing for teams in San Antonio, Detroit, Boston, and now Phoenix. And what sport? Basketball. Put All down right. a human name. I don't... All right, cool. We're locked in. With we are... a definitely wrong. We're going to tap out on this I one. I have no I idea. I think this guy's got one of those like classic masculine Australian names. He does. <laughs> can't, can't place it though okay and oz uh we went uh we, we took a shot and said you never know who's actually a new zealander or an australian we went with a uh, lebron <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny it's Did not, you have Ky- a thought it's there, not kyrie irving is no. It? no it's not kyrie he is irving. australian technically though yes he is yeah. yeah uh it's aaron baines the uh the for, also, for the phoenix suns obviously i've never heard of him yeah. i've heard of harold baines uh-huh. the baseball player it's spelled completely different okay they're not <laughs> heard of bane the batman villain mm-hmm. yeah that's the, that's where i'm coming so from. there's multiple of him yes baines <laughs> oh no um, there's more than one bane yeah, he was on the it's celtics baines. most notably i think that was his most notable well he tenure. won a title with the spurs yeah but he was like a backup backup you yeah. invented the alley-oop i perfected it <laughs> <laughs> dunked over my head <laughs> question nine australia has staked a claim to part of what landmass which following a 1959 treaty that bears its name barred them from all mining operations military exercises and the detonation of nuclear devices this agreement was spearheaded Surprisingly, by the United States and the USSR. Well, we, I believe, I think, I think we're locked in. You think that's right? I think that's right. What do you think about uh, the Bikini Islands? Oh, I was going to say, that sounds really familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did some testing They did there. testing there. Yeah. yeah, that does sound really familiar, actually. I was, I was remembering a trivia we were at, and uh, this was similar to a question. I remember Jeff got it, and that yeah. sounds really familiar to me. All right, let's go with that. Bikini Islands. And Team Oz? Uh, we've looked in Antarctica yep, because there's, uh, there's lots of little slices that everybody's claimed around here. Yep, there's about 12 countries, the U.S. and <clears throat> currently the uh, uh, Russia instead of the Soviet Union. Uh, we've all still laid claim to it, um, but we've all agreed that it's everyone's. So, yeah, the yeah, correct answer is like everyone gets a little mm. Everyone gets a little slice that they're kind of looking after. It's like adopting a part of the highway. Uh, I was kind know? of. A, I was also kind of leaning a little bit towards when you said it was US and USSR. 
Maybe it was the moon. Maybe we're not allowed to bomb the moon. <laughs> that's true. I don't think that's off limits. So we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see. All right. And question 10 in the round. Which remarkable figure first came to people's attention on a beach just southwest of Adelaide in December of 1948? Since then, he has been the subject of numerous articles, petitions, podcasts, an episode of 60 Minutes, and a thing Matt did once. That's a callback. Yeah. Goodness. Oh my gosh. So do you reckon it's... I mean, do you think it's a real person? Or do you think it's not? Do you think it's I've like... I've never done anything. You know, a person, and it's like, you know... Like you could say the 12 apostles are people, but they're actually just big rocks off the coast of Australia. Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine it being real. But it's not like a person just walked in from the ocean. It's like, oh, hi, guys. I've been living in the ocean. Oh, it's Harold Holt. <laughs> yeah, it's Holt, Holt's back from the ocean before I even went missing. Um, this isn't a Garfield oh. phone, is it? <laughs> I, I don't know if it's fictional or not fictional. I Hugh mean, Jackman, right? Hugh Jackman. <laughs> he just came in from the ocean. Perfectly sculpted. Yeah, oh, singing the show tune. Yeah. <laughs> let's say, let's say, uh, let's say Paul Hogan. Do I have okay. to reread the question? Paul too? Hogan. <laughs> Reluctant. Okay. Crikey. And uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. We put two question marks. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it is not two question marks. No. If you'll remember, uh, I believe there was one time Matt visited Australia and he was investigating the Summerton Man, mm. and uh, that was the Summerton Man. Explain. Oh, huh. I I know what he's saying. So, I made I improved that he was <laughs> visiting the Summerton Man. I have no recollection of doing that, and that's how. What, what is the Summerton Man? Is Wasn't that the mystery briefcase dude or mystery code dude? Yeah, his his body just washed up washed up in the beach uh, in 1948, and nobody knew who he was or where he came from. Yeah. He was just an unknown man. Well, after this first nuts. round, someone's body is going to wash up in a beach at Lake Michigan, <laughs> uh, Jeff. Yeah. Not surprised, would never have gotten it. Yeah, so after the first round, uh, Oz with a commanding lead, uh, 70 so far. Uh, Scarecrow's uh, just hanging out in the fields, I guess, at 20. All right, and let's uh, move on to the swing round and see if Jeff has a heart. So right he, now he's kind of the Tin Man. He doesn't, um, <laughs> oh, which is no. really funny uh, that you should say that. But um, no, I so Ken recently had on an episode um, film titles mm -hmm. that were elemental-based. Um, mostly to stick it to me, he gave the number and, uh, then he gave a reference to the film and then you had to get at least the element of the film title, um, nice. which I really liked. And I was also really mad that I didn't do well. So I'm going to run so it back. Copy it. I'm going to steal it and we're going to do it with song titles. Okay. Oh no, I don't Ooh. know songs. I don't know so music I'm going to give all. you, I'm going to give you the element number. Uh, yep. I'm going to give you the artist and the year. And all I want is the song. I'll be expecting oh, yeah. royalties for this. They're all relatively famous. So you want the song name? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And they're mostly pretty famous. Some are a little obscure. The song name, not just the element. I, f the I feel name. like I should do the okay. caveat of I do badly in your swing rounds regardless. <laughs> <laughs> hey, me too. So uh, the first one is element number 79. The artist is Sting. And the year that was released was 1993. Number second one is number 47 on the periodic table. It's a 1969 song by the Beatles. Third one is going to be element number 29. It's a 1970 song from Bob Dylan. Fourth one on the list is going to be element number 82. It's a Miranda Lambert song, 2008. Uh, our fifth one is element number 50. It's a song by the band America from 1974. I think horse is element 50. <laughs> 
Uh, our sixth one on the list is going to be number 16. It's a 2009 song by the band Slipknot. <laughs> Classic. Classic. <laughs> I mean, these get, you know, these aren't terrible. Um, number seven is going to be number three on the periodic table. It's Nirvana's 1992 song. Cool. Got one. Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, number eight is going to be Element 22, David Guetta featuring Sia, 2011. Cool. I was waiting for that one. one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Element number 80 is going to be our ninth one. It's a block party song from 2008. And the last one on the list is going to be number 10, Element 10. Uh, It's a 2001 song by John Mayer. Okay. And I will tell you one, two, three, four. Half of these are just the Element name. So Okay. Oh, nice. I didn't try and make them too obscure. So uh, while we go and uh, talk about our answers, just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our Patreon supporters. We really mm-hmm. appreciate all of you, especially the uh, the new crop of you who have joined the show and enjoyed supporting the show. So we thank you for that. Uh, as you know, uh, you can join Patreon over at patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast and get a number of different perks uh, as far as uh, merchandise, stickers, uh, letters from us, posters mm-hmm. that are signed that you can uh, hang up, step on, do whatever you'd like to. I mean, it's yours <laughs> when you get it. So we yeah. appreciate that. Um, but uh, also, uh, you get some discounts on merchandise and uh, get some uh, some other great things, Jeff. Right? I mean, well, we also we love to have our patrons on the show. So if you're thinking about you want to be on the show, you know, uh, they get first priority. So we always have we like to put them on our show too. So that's correct. So uh, thank you very much to all of our Patreon uh, supporters. It's the reason uh, we're able to do the show. And uh, if you'd like to join them, go to Patreon.com/slash/TrivialityPodcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Was, or call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off. An eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th.
All right, after much deliberation, uh, both teams are locked in, so Jeff, take it away. Much deliberation. Much. Much. Mm-hmm. So much. This is bad. Fruitless <laughs> deliberation. Should have made it a little <laughs> easier. But Great job. Yeah. Really, Jeff, this one. <laughs> I hate that that's probably a thing. Uh, so the first one, uh, element number 79 is a 1993 Sting song. And I'll, uh, I'll start with Oz on all mm-hmm. of these. What did you say? Um, so we have, oh, we have no idea. We, I think that number was gold. All right. So we just wrote gold. Yeah, we just stabbed at gold. And the song is Fields of Gold. Yay. Mm-hmm. And so the answer is gold. Yes, yeah, so we amended the question also while we were deliberating. Uh, you just need to name the element now. Just it was for the, way too hard. Yeah. That's a, that's a bit of a deep cut for Sting, right? Not really. It's, more, it's, well, it's, it's, a, it's not it. a shallow cut. I'm not going to sing it, but it's as we walk in fields of gold. Is this that song in 93 where he like had oh, it recorded, but he song. just he kept waiting to release it and kept waiting and waiting and waiting and then finally released? <laughs> <sighs> Let's leave it at that. Uh, number two. All right, this one was element number 47. It was a 1969 song from the Beatles. What did you have on that one, Oz? I think, again, just going from the element, I think 47 is silver. All right, and uh, Scarecrows? Uh, We went platinum. All right, and the song is Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Mm, The famous, very famous Beatles song. Oh, yeah. Off of Sgt. Pepper? I was just, no, I think it was Abbey Road, wasn't it? Abbey Road. Yeah, Yeah, I I was reading someone saying, like all albums, there's one real bad song. And it's Maxwell Silver Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably fair. All right, on to number three, which is element 29. This is a Bob Dylan song from 1970. We had nothing going yeah. in terms of This is where we start guessing song, our numbers. Because I'm just songs. like, there's no element of stone, so it's not stone. You know, <laughs> leather's, leather's not an element, so it's not, you know, boots of Spanish leather. So we just went for uh, iron, which sounded like it was the right kind of number and... Maybe you'd put iron in the name of a song. Yeah, I think I remember the atomic number from my previous game, and I think that's iron. All right, iron is actually number twenty-six. Seven. 26. Oh. And so you're pretty close. It's a it's a slightly reddish metal that is copper. copper? The song is copper kettle. Mm. Oh, you copper. copper kettle. But I know it's copper hard. Copper and iron are both very folk elements. If yeah. you're writing a song, <laughs> it's it's hard to nail it down though, because you know Bob Dylan's written you know. 22 billion songs, yeah. so. Approximately. Yep. <laughs> Recent estimates show. Uh, the fourth one, element number 82. It's a Miranda Lambert song from 2008. Uh, we still plutonium. Guessing. We're doing mostly numbers. And we thought uranium at first, but then what you thought that was 92? Yeah. So we went down and said, maybe it's plutonium, like just one above or something. All right. We thought maybe this was a very thinly veiled superhero metaphor, and we said Krypton. Uh, the song is Gunpowder and Lead. Oh, I know that song. I should have lead. known that. Oh, yeah. Lead. I forgot about Lead's existence. Bloody Lead. <laughs> I don't think she's ever shot anybody. <laughs> she got close with, uh, what's his face? Blake Shelton. Yeah, Blake Shelton. <laughs> oh. All right. The fifth one uh, is number 50. This is one of my favorite songs by America. It's a 1974 uh, hit sort of <laughs> yeah. uh, the, uh, again we we know one america song yeah so we said horse no uh, we said um platinum okay and this was the one that we said silver for okay uh you're very close with silver because that's 47 uh it's tin hmm. the song is tin man tin. which i thought is particularly that's one that goes, funny tin man Give it. come together with your hands <laughs> <Save me." laughs> 
which I'm just sad given the Oz theme. Yeah, in that's the room. Yeah. pretty sad. Nobody got what that a one. serendipitous name. Since it's literally about that. Um, next one in the round is 16. Uh, Slipknot, 2009. Uh, so we were counting again. But 16 is just out of my knowledge range. I used to just rattle off the first 20, but I can't now. But I think maybe Sulphur might have been correct. Okay. And I can picture a connection. The Slipknot's Slipknot. kind of a heavy band, so we thought maybe they were talking about poisoning somebody, so we said mm. arsenic. Oh. That's very interesting. Uh, but it is the stinkier of the two answers. It is yes. sulfur. Ah, well man. remembered. All right, I have a feeling that this one is the easy one in the room. Uh, number three, Nirvana's 1992 <laughs> song. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, one's that one we know. Whew. That's Oh, by the way, it's lithium. Yes. <laughs> okay. Thanks and for we answer. also said lithium. And lithium is correct. All right. Uh, another one that I think... It, easier for everybody to get number 22 uh david getta featuring sia 2011 hoping that's titanium tossing this one over to neil yes it's only one of two that i knew uh it's titanium it is titanium well done maybe that's the one that's earlier in the periodic table than i thought not platinum (laughs) maybe take it off yeah i think platinum's up in the 70s somewhere all right uh number nine this is element number 80 uh it's a 2008 song by block party Absolutely. Yeah, we have no literally idea. no idea number or year or or band. So we just said cesium because it's a cool element. That is a very cool element. Uh, love the band Block Party. Seen them many times. And the lead singer Kayle, when he sings this song, he goes, "My Mercury's in retrograde." <gasps> oh no! Re- oh. She said Mercury. I'm very glad you got that one. Mercury <laughs> is correct. <laughs> oh, that's an embarrassing miss. I just saw uh, Block yeah. Party at the Riot Fest. Oh, were they good? Very good. They have the a new, Riot Riot new lineup. The Riot Fest. This is yes, very good. Number 10. Uh, this is a 2001 John Mayer song off of Room for Squares, I think, is the album. Uh, what did you say, Oz? I think number 10 is Neon. And I think I remember number 10 was Neon from my previous game. And Neon is correct. So not, right. not too... Yeah, that, it was a good uh, stretch at the it's end 50, there. 50-50. Mm-hmm. More yeah. fair than I thought. I mean, yeah. not, not like fair, fair, but we did a yeah, fair, we did a fair <laughs> job. Yeah, so the Scarecrows added 25 to bring it up to 45, and um, the Oz added 30, so they're up to 100. All right, Jeff, let's go to round two. All right, so for round two, I uh, veered away from Australia, which I think my co-hosts would be happy about, although I was inspired by Australia. Um, so all of these uh, next questions in, the, in this round, they're all going to be based on titles of ACDC songs. Okay. <laughs> that is not going to help us, so it's a fair fight. So the first question, uh, and you'll, you'll pick them all up, I'm sure. The first question is about Angus beef. It, <laughs> <laughs> it is not about Angus beef. It's actually about Hell's Bells. Uh, the Hell's Bells are a series of underwater cave formations made of carbonate and shaped like hollow cones. This natural formation can be found in Quintana Roo, a Mexican state, which is part of what large peninsula? Uh, do you okay, know we're Mexican locked in. peninsulas? We're locked in, so like feel free I to should. talk. Uh, I don't know. Unless it's one of those ones where it's like a state that we know, like, you know, like Chihuahua has a peninsula. Um, but I don't know. Okay, done. Got sure. it. Sure. Locked in. Locked in. All right. So we are guessing the Yucatan Peninsula. And Oh, Oz? good. Boom. I said the same thing. Yeah, we said the same thing. My incredulity is because I was thinking of Yukon. And I went, I'm pretty sure that's quite far away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you are correct. It's part of the Yucatan Peninsula. All right. Mm, good Don't you hit me. Good start. <laughs> uh, number two, uh, Shoot the Thrill. 
except I couldn't find anything good for that. So Shoot to Kill was a relatively <laughs> unremarkable 1988 film starring what Bar- uh, starring Tom Berenger and what Academy Award winning actor. The film was the first major screen role for him in 10 years. Other credits non-film include being the Bahamian ambassador to Japan. That would make sense, the Bahamian connection, because he would have been the only Academy Award winner who would have been eligible, kind of, to be, have that role. Yeah. Okay. So let's go with that. We're locked in. I we've got we've got no idea. No, so we're locked I'm in with a blank sure. <laughs> line. So this, the, we're we're thinking this might be actually a little bit more Australia related because his oh. first name is Sydney and his last name is Poitier. Oh. The correct answer oh, is Sydney Poitier. Oh, nice. Very nice. Well done. That's a good cast. That movie's probably... Tom Berenger, uh, the great catcher in Major League, also in The Substitute. He was actually my substitute teacher in high school. It was pretty crazy. But <laughs> did he stop knife fights and, and fight gangs? He stabbed me, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he only shoots to kill. That's, right? why, that's why Ken is so hard. Is, is that what it is? Yikes. I meant like... Jeez, t- I, meant, <laughs> I meant tough. Like he's a family ha- show. You know what I'm talking about. He's tough. Yeah. You know, tough. He's a tough guy. Uh, Kirstie Alley apparently was also in that, if I remember right. Mm. So you know it's from IMDb. <laughs> you know it's good. <laughs> so that's before she traveled to Veronica's closet. Yes. Uh, okay. All right. Question three. This is uh, what you do for the money, honey. Uh, in contrast to commodity money, where money is created from precious materials, which type of money or currency that has no intrinsic value is used in the U.S.? The name for this currency is shared with a famous automaker. I remember when we used pelts as money. You, you remember? I am a time traveler. I think yeah. you're a spoiler alert. He's a 500 year old vampire. Money. <laughs> you could see my appearance in The Revenant. I was uh, the third man in the background as Leo was getting mauled by a bear. By the bear. Oh, man. I, I, no. okay, I, got, I nothing. got nothing. We got nothing. We've locked wow. in with a blank space again. I'm just thinking of car manufacturers, but none of them sound like no. uh, you know, Lincoln. Peugeot money. Peugeot. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're done. Fair enough. So, right and properly, um, the type of money that we use that has no inherent intrinsic value, and it's just based <gasps> oh, on. Oh, I the, just knew it. I right? think, just got no, it. No, it's all it's all good. I'm too late. I don't think it's American, but I just thought oh, of something. Okay. Yeah. What is it? You can say it if you want to. I mean, I don't. Okay. Oh, you don't want to. Okay. <laughs> you can say it afterwards if you're right. This is called fiat currency. Yeah. Mm. Currency that has no American. intrinsic just, value. Ah. Uh, did they specify it was an American comrade? I did I not. Oh, no, no. Oh, yeah, you just said this was what they call oh, it in America. Oh, Danny. Question four. Highway to hell. In the Inferno, after passing the gates of hell, Dante and Virgil are greeted by Hades' ferryman, who will take them across the river Acheron. What is the name of this ferryman who shares his name with the largest moon of Pluto? Is this off after they're down the river sticks? So this is right after you pass through the gates of hell, and it says like... Uh, Welcome to hell. No, it's like... Uh, <laughs> Population. Beware all who you. enter here or whatever the yeah. it says on the gates of hell. I can't remember anymore. Where mm. does Dennis DeYoung come from? One of the things where... Hope all you who enter here? Yes, he's you just past hear, the river stick. You just hear a, uh, a fake keyboard flute in the distance. <laughs> <laughs> That's really disappointing. Yeah, we're locked in. One of the things we're actually doing on this trip is we're going to see Hades Town on Broadway. Yeah. Oh, I'm jealous. That's going to be great. Um, all right, so, so the ferryman. What's the name of the ferryman? I know, I know what this is, and I... Hephaestus or um, um, Cerberus is the dog. Let's say Hephaestus. That's fine. And uh, Team Oz. 
Uh, I think it's pronounced like a k sound at the start, right? Um, Charon? Yeah, it can be stylized either with a C or a K, and oh, it Chiron. is Charon. Yeah. Mm. How do you spell that? It's either K-A-R-O-N or C-H-R-O-N, depending on the translation. Karen. There's someone else who's Chiron. Yeah, see, that's but I what can't it, remember who so that I is. Always, the reason I never remember this is because uh, Chiron from Percy Jackson is the, um, the half... Uh, no, I, right. can't, I can't even think of his, what he is, a half-horse man. Centaur. Centaur. Yeah. And I never, I always mix him up with the river ferryman. That's okay. The other day, Jeff mixed up a Pegasus and a unicorn, so... It was actually pretty epic. <laughs> oh, oh loser. loser. Yeah, and I... <laughs> <laughs> And it was uh, committed to the form of a drawing, so uh, that will exist forever. Um, <laughs> wasn't even a slip of the tongue. On to question five. Uh, I have a drink on me. Uh, while the city may have changed its official name in 1996 to Chennai, a bartender would still know that what drink is a type of cocktail consisting of vodka and cranberry juice, often with a squeeze of lime. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. I know what the city is. I don't know anything about alcohol, though. Yeah, but we don't drink, so we just we just learn geography and don't drink, and so we can answer questions that way. But is we that the whole name of it, or is there more to it? Ah, uh, it's fine. Like you know, there's a. Nah, it's fine. <laughs> well, me and Neil uh, don't drink, but we also don't learn geography. Right. <laughs> exactly. Again, I thought Matt might be playing a little bit. That's okay. I don't know. It's funny there. <laughs> I know, Vodka, right? cranberry, and lime. This is a Can drink I? that I used to drink a lot because I felt like the yeah. cranberry juice would flush out my system, so I'd be getting healthier. Right, you're getting the antioxidants. Yeah, yeah. But that's incorrect. Let's though. just say it's a Casablanca. Okay. And Team Oz. Um, I believe the city is Madras, and we thought that trying to add any other drink sort of words to it would hurt, <laughs> so we just left it at Madras. Yep. Uh, also commonly known as a Cape Cod in the United States, uh, that is a Madras. Mm. Never heard of Madras. it. Madras. I've never heard of that either. Yeah, I just say vodka cranberry. Yeah, right. They, they, tend to, they tend to know what that means. I think if I ordered a Madras, they'd be like, "What Probably the hell are you talking up. about?" Go yeah. go in and order a Chennai. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> if you order a vodka cranberry, sometimes you'll get a, a cup of raw cranberry with some vodka on it. Yeah, or be mad at that either. All right, uh, it's a long way to the top. Boggy Peak is the highest point of the Shirkarali Mountains on the island of Antigua. On August 4th, 2009, this national leader's birthday, Boggy Peak was renamed after them by former Prime Minister Baldwin Spencer. This world leader, not from Antigua, was born on a different island, depending on who you ask. All right, we're locked in. I reckon it's Castro. Sure. Because he's a leader on an island. He is a leader of an an island island somewhere. I don't know. Okay. We are going with um, somebody who became a world leader uh, a little bit before 2009 and was born on the island of Hawaii, which is part of the United States. And we're going to go with Barack Obama. Um. Oh, that's the depending on who you believe thing. (laughs) All right. I get it. And uh, that is correct. Uh, Boggy Peak was renamed Mount Obama. Uh, in celebration of all of the things that Barack Obama had done for um, black individuals. Mm. And uh, Antigua thought they would celebrate that by naming their tallest mountain after him. He's a tall man, right? I don't know. He wore that tan suit to celebrate, I think. Yeah. (laughs) What a scandal, right? What a scandal. (laughs) I can't believe he did that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know how we elected him. One day I'll climb Mount Obama. (laughs) (laughs) I, that's what Michelle said. You got to get uh, uh, 60 minutes of fitness every day. <laughs> 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 
Good for them. Uh, <laughs> number seven, uh, rock and roll singer. Uh, more than just singers in a rock and roll band, which English progressive rock band had American chart successes with songs such as Tuesday Afternoon and Nights in White Satin? Nights in White I got Satin. Yeah. No, I've got no idea. Uh, well, I'm not going to know. I don't know no, anything about sorry, music. I'm, I'm going to know it, but I don't know it. So you don't know. <sighs> just you don't know. So Oz uh, has no answer. Okay. No. We yeah. are going to go with the Moody Blues. Yep. And also there was another song snuck in there. Uh, just a singer in a rock and roll band is another one from the Moody Blues. Well mm. done. Yeah. All right. Nice, nice, Ken. Ken is uh, pulling out all the stops in the second round. I am just completely yeah, we're useless. Flailing. We're flailing here. <laughs> this is why we built that lead early. So we can coast. <laughs> <laughs> Build a lead and then you coast. That's how you do trivia. Question eight is about uh, the ACDC song Livewire. It's not, but... The longest rapid transit system in the world services which Chinese city and its surrounding metropolitan areas with 420 miles of rails. This city is the most populous urban area in China and the second most populous city proper in the world after Chongqing. Is it that one or is it the other one? I don't know. All right, we're locked in. I would have thought it was the other. Was that just like more important but not as populous? I thought that they were more pop. I'm happy to go with that. Okay. Yeah, let's look either way. It's become a bit of a flip of the coin. So we're locked in as well. Okay, I presume you were going between Shanghai and Beijing. Oh, yeah. Yep. And uh, because of banana phone, we're going to go with operator get me Beijing, Jing, Jing. Oh, <laughs> okay. well, that's fun because we have gone with Shanghai. So it's a real battle. <laughs> well, someone won the coin toss. Unfortunately, someone lost because it was between those two and it is Shanghai. Mm. Oh. Yes. Good work, Danny. <laughs> banana phone. <laughs> Beijing is like the third <laughs> or fourth. I mean, China has yeah. so many cities that are million plus. How many miles. times is Rafi going to let you down? <laughs> <laughs> One more time, baby. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> is he still around? Does he still make music? Oh, yeah. Rafi, I, I mean, if he's not making flash videos still, I'm going to be very sad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he made that flash video. <laughs> Speaking of bananas, the bananas and pajamas aren't around anymore, right? They're not. No, okay. they felt they're, the they're from Australia, right? No. Yeah. No? They yeah. are? Yeah. I thought they were yeah. from... Um, it's like them and the Wiggles and like, you know, I all used to the love, kids I would, I would eat Cocoa Puffs and watch Bananas in Pajamas, mm. even though I was much too old for them, but I just enjoyed it. <laughs> three weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was, I, it was three weeks ago. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of uh, Teletubbies. Right. Teletubbies is no, like... Yeah. Teletubbies are British. 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 Yeah. British? Yeah. 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 They're hanging out with Peppa too. Yeah. All right. Number nine is uh, about TNT. So uh, with an energy release of 4.2 million joules per kilogram tnt is very destructive with an equivalent explosion force of 15 megatons of tnt what is the name of the hydrogen bomb that was used by the ussr in a test on october 30th 1961 it remains to this day the most powerful bomb ever detonated the name is particularly unusual given that it was detonated by a soviet union country a communist country that doesn't believe in monarchy oh oh I'm going to know this. There's some clues at the end there. Something right. royal. We're locked in with uh, Silly Guess. Uh, I don't know. I feel like Saab bomber or something. Maybe I'm making that Is up. Is that a royalty thing? Well, like it's a Saab. Like the, yeah, that I they've gotten rid of. Yeah, I think it's that. Okay. Something like that. So your answer? Unless I've made that up and something else is something like that. But there is something in the world that is something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere in the world, there's something that's something like that. <laughs> so your official answer is what? Saab bomber okay. or something. Oh, okay. Uh, we're just going to guess uh, King James. And the correct answer is the Tsar Bomba. Well, yeah. Well done. Oh, I pulled that out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Last question in the round, question 10. High voltage. Uh, 
As a way to ensure that observations of physical phenomena are consistent across measurements, scientists often use what term to ensure they are making equivalent observations? This term sets a standardization for two measures. This term also has a common abbreviation that I doubt would ever be confused for the San Diego-based rock band. We are locked in, so you can feel free to uh, speak aloud. It's something about that, isn't it? Oh, maybe. I don't really understand exactly what I'm answering here. Like is it like a abbrevi- unit or was it a... Oh, it's the abbreviation, right? Well, I can't remember. Is that how it goes? Standard like, I'm temperature and pressure? I'm thinking something about standards. I don't know the band. No, that's not helping. <laughs> um, band naked. Li- um. <laughs> you know, like they say, it's got to be room temperature or whatever. Yeah, okay. I'm not happy with that. S. TP for standard okay. temperature and pressure. I, I don't know, but I feel like it's something getting there. All right, and Oz is going with STP for standard temperature and pressure. And for Stone Temple Pilots, I'm going with STP. Oh, yes, so standard wow. temperature and pressure, pick. which is Phew. approximately room temperature of a uh, zero at sea level, okay. uh, which is a good way because obviously you need to figure out those things. Water boils at about uh, 100 degrees Celsius. And, and one uh, I'm noting it is quite above uh, room temperature in the Triviality Sweat Lodge today. <laughs> and I, I have a pot of water right here, and it's actually beginning to boil. Yeah. <laughs> that does make sense based on the observations. All right, so after round two, uh, Oz added on 60 points, and the Scarecrow is adding just 50. So going into the final round, mm. it's going to be 160 to 95 uh, so Ken and Neil have a little catching up to do. Yeah, I feel a little bit better now, but I was hoping to get a little bit more ground on them. But uh, instead of losing ground, <laughs> yeah, we'll just have to uh, bet big here. Yeah, I just hope we pass one hundred. All right, yeah, Jeff, we need to come up with a betting strategy. Bet it all, all on one. Yeah, well, before that, Jeff, let's <laughs> get to those categories. Okay, so the first one uh, category is going to be something about Australia. Um, category two is going to be something else about Australia. Fair. Category three is going to be a third Australian thing. Oh, no. Uh, I hate you, Jeff. <laughs> category four is unsurprisingly going to be about cartoons. New Zealand. Oh. <laughs> and category Simpsons. five I didn't even hear is it. going to be about Australia. Yet uh, another Australia category. So all Australia except four, which is about cartoons. Well, I've been told that we do a lot of America-centric trivia around here, so I figured what better special guests to pander to with Australia-related questions. <laughs> and pander you did. And the wagers are locked in. Let's hear some questions, Jeff. Question one is about Australia, unsurprisingly. William Janzoon departed from his home country's colony in Indonesia in November of 1605 and made landfall at the Penafather River in February of 1606. Over the next few years, his countrymen charted the whole western and northern coastlines, though made no attempt to settle it. What was the name they gave this land they took credit for discovering? And we will call it this land. Question two, also about Australia. January 28th is Australia Day, which commemorates the day in 1788 when the first fleet of British ships arrived in New South Wales to establish what? Question three. Lake Mungo is a dry lake bed in southeastern Australia surrounded by layers of sands and soil that are archaeologically rich. Discovered in 1972, LM3 is an archaeological find that has been found to be as much as 43,000 years old, making it the oldest known what? Question number four. I said this one was cartoons. The Tasmanian Devil... A Looney Tunes cartoon, which bears little <laughs> resemblance to its namesake, made his first appearance in 1954 in a short called Devil May Hair, in which Taz's gravelly voice was provided by which man of a thousand voices? Number five. 
Anzac Day is broadly a day of remembrance for all, but was originally created to honor members of the Australian and New Zealand Army Corps who served in what 1915 campaign fought on what European peninsula? All right, we are going to break and think about these answers, and we'll be right back. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Well, the answers are locked in, but before we get to that- uh, You got to shill some stuff, right? (laughs) How about, you know, holidays are coming up and people need to purchase our goods. Neil, tell them about our goods. Well, we got pelts, <laughs> we got hams, we got uh, we got some beans, canned yeah. pineapples, canned dried, pineapples, dried goods, dried goods. What are we I actually selling? We use pelts as currency. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so no, we're actually selling some great new items. We got some tote bags. We got brand new T-shirt designs with all four of our faces, a cream of the crop shirt. Uh, we have uh, one of those great shirts if you've ever seen uh, that has like the names with the ampersand. So it, has, mm-hmm. it says Ken and Matt and Neil and Jeff, yep. which is great. Um, so but definitely check out inkedandscreen.com. Uh, for all of our goods or you can go to our website and click merchandise and it'll take you there but they've been wonderful partners taylor and the team over there uh, have been very supportive of the show they're listeners and we love to um sort of include people who support the show mm-hmm. and in turn uh give you items to purchase and the yeah. link will be in the descriptions in the show notes yeah. and for a thousand dollars you can rent me out and i'll do whatever you want in fact i think ken and i were kind of spitballing an idea the other day we'd like a renaissance level patron where you pay for all of our bills and we toil away on our podcast in your basement <laughs> <laughs> Well, that sounds wonderful. And on that note, let's get some of those answers. All right. On to question one, which was about Australia. William Janzoon departed from his home country's colony in Indonesia, November of 1605, making landfall at the Penafather River on February of 1606. Over the next few years, his countrymen charted the whole western and northern coastlines, naming it what? Yeah, we uh, we locked in with uh, how many points there, Ken? Ten. 10 points and uh we weren't too sure but i do know that uh, a large portion of australia is called the bush so that's what we went with (laughs) and oz what did you wager on this one uh we wagered a full 30 and one of the many names that australia went through we went for this one was new holland so much like uh, their neighbors to the east new zealand uh new holland is what Mm. they named it on to number two. So January 28th is Australia Day, commemorating the day when British ships arrived in New South Wales to establish what? 
For 15 points, we're going to go with a prison colony. For 30 points, we said exactly the same thing. Yep. Prison or penal colony is correct. Question three. No jokes. No jokes. (laughs) (laughs) We've had enough this time. It's just true. It's just a true fact. Ken's head is convicts. (laughs) Number three. Uh, Lake Mungo is a dry lake bed in southeastern Australia where LM3, a 43,000-year-old what was found? Uh, For 20 points, and let me know if you need us to be more specific, but we said human ancestor. All right, and Oz. Yeah, we went with... We for thirty points. We knew that Mungo Man was some form of human, so we went with the first modern human. Yep. Uh, any of those are really fine. It's the oldest specimens that we have that are human remains. Um, LM one was the first specimen found uh, there in nineteen sixty two, um, and then uh, they gave that and LM three back to the origi- uh, Aboriginals um, upon their discovery. And so. what about LMFAO? <laughs> uh, they're not dead yet, but uh, I'm sure they can be buried there when they're done. Question uh, four was all about cartoons. And uh, when I think of cartoons in Australia, I think there's only one question I can ask. So uh, who voiced the Tasmanian <laughs> devil? Uh, for 30 points, Neil. We uh, went with uh, the man behind Bugs Bunny, Mel Blanc. And Oz, what did you have for this one? Uh, also for, for 30 yeah, points. For, we went with the man behind Porky Pig, Mel Blanc. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you have a thousand voices, there's going to be quite a few that come up on that list. <laughs> and Mel Blanc is correct. Incidentally, I have seen Tasmanian devils, and they are little nutcases, so <laughs> I don't think they're that different. Yeah, unfortunately, um, they have like really bad cancer rates right now. Yeah, <laughs> we've got wow. contagious cancer as well. Uh, there wasn't one yet. No, they uh, and it's it's spread by biting each other's faces, so they're really good at tra- transmitting it. Oh, cool. Oh, Wait a- <laughs> <laughs> There wasn't one in this mm, whole let's, game. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> All right. And number five uh, is about Anzac Day, uh, a Remembrance Day created to honor members of the Australian and New Zealand Army Corps serving in a 1915 campaign fought on what European peninsula? All right. Uh, For 20 points, I know this from a video game, and Neil knows it from a movie, obviously, so we went with uh, Gallipoli. Yeah, this is a very big thing that you study all through school. For 30 points, we went with Gallipoli. And Gallipoli is correct. Wow, so a perfect round from Oz. So I don't Ooh. think that Scarecrow was able to catch them. But let me let me crunch some numbers really All quick. Right. Carry the one. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, Matt's starting uh, to smoke over there. Well, <laughs> yeah. So uh, not a bad game from Scarecrows. They come out with 170. Um, but today's That's a good score. Today's bad, cream of the crop with the highest score I could ever remember. Uh, 320. Whoa. 320 <laughs> points. Oz, you are today's cream of the crop. You know that I'm the cream of the crop. Well, you know what they say. If you ever want to do well at trivia, just make sure they tailor it to your own <laughs> national history and you'll be fine. That is a bounty of cream right there. Yeah. <laughs> It's good. I uh, I wanted to write a game that was a little bit more Australian centric. So most of our you audience, I think, will not do as well. So that's good. Yeah. But uh, that's going to be, be a tough one to beat. I hope I hope you're humbled out there. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it because I feel very much that way when I listen mm-hmm. to most of your regular episodes. Right. As soon as they go into American football, I'm out. I got nothing. Me too. <laughs> well, Ken, you and I didn't escape that game uh, with a win, but uh, Danny and Bill, uh, you did. And uh, why don't you tell people how they can find out more uh, about Escape This Podcast? Yeah, sure. So, look, we're, we're on all of the various podcatchers, and you can just search Escape This Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as Escape This Podcast. We're on Instagram as Escape This Podcast. And we're on Twitter as at Esk This Podcast. 
Um, you can also send us emails, escapethispod at gmail.com, because we always like getting emails. Um, and we've been having a lot of fun. If you want to give the show a listen, it's probably hard to jump right into the episode you guys did, but mm-hmm. you can, because uh, it's, cha- it's chapter it's nine of ten. I, I, I definitely did that, it's, and it's doable. Shirts come um, off. But otherwise, you can jump in on any, any episode. Uh, there's two connected arcs of ten episodes each, which are clearly marked as chapters one through ten, and everything else is a standalone episode. So if you see something that takes your fancy... Like a magic themed room with Neil Patrick Harris, or a just just dropping that in real yeah. quick. Well, I it's mean, a good people know who that is, right, so they can to pick that name off the ground. I don't know. <laughs> um, or you can go back to our first room, which is set in a creepy bathroom uh, with our friend Tess. With our friend Tess, nice. as famous as Neil Patrick Harris, she is. <laughs> um, uh, but no, come like uh, whatever you want to listen to, you can jump right in anywhere. You can also not listen to the show and download all of our escape room games for free from the show notes of each episode and play them yourself wow. and never listen to us speak again. Fabulous. Yeah. And I, again, I'd really like to be on the show so I don't have to uh, scream at the podcast anymore as uh, Neil, Matt and Jeff flounder with the... Uh, wow. That's a really strong... With the frame. I'll just say that. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for being on our show. We surely appreciate thank it. Thank you for having us on. It was great fun. Well, uh, thanks again to Danny and Bill. Uh, it was a great game. And on behalf of Ken, Matt, Neil, and myself, that was Triviality. Bye, Matt. Bye bye forever, everyone. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Click your heels, Matt. <laughs> Click your heels. Yes. Robert Goulet. Da-da-da-do. This is for the end clip, Goulet. Goulet. <laughs>